0: One of the things that I love about the Christian Bible School this year is that it focused the messages each day on who God is or more uh, directly what God has power over. And so we started the week talking about power over nature and power over circumstances. But then in the middle of the week, we turned to the fact that God had power over sin and that God has power over death. In the last day, we talked about the fact that if he has power over nature, power over circumstances, power over sin, and even power over death, then he ought to have the ability to have power over our own lives and our own decisions. And it was a great week to talk about those things, about who God is. We're we're doing that on Sunday mornings over the next few weeks, talking specifically about the ways God has promised things to us. And what is amazing to me, and we talked about this last week, is that we have a God who doesn't just look at us and say, hey, listen, I put you on the earth, I've given you what you need, take care of it yourself, that he promises us different things to give us guidance and strength in the midst of our journey and the verses that we talked about from second peter we're going to talk about each week just kind of as an overview but it comes from second peter and it's paul or excuse me peter writing to some people there and it's going to be up on the screen it says Simon Peter a slave and an apostle of Jesus Christ to those who have obtained a faith of equal privilege with ours through the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Again, that's one of those remarkable statements in Scripture. That Peter, who walked with Jesus every step of the way, says that for those of us even today who have been brought into God's kingdom by Jesus Christ's blood and sacrifice on the cross, that we have equal privilege with Him. May grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus Our Lord, he goes on to say this, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. By these, he has given us very great and precious promises so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. It says in this verse that you lack absolutely nothing For living this life. Everything you need has been given to you. And on top of that, God has given us these promises that will help to give us strength as we navigate the difficulty that life is going to bring. In fact, kind of overarching, the overarching understanding of this entire series of messages is that God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. He is someone that both makes promises and keeps promises. In Scripture, even, if you just look in the first part of the Scripture, in in, in Genesis, before you even get really into the book of Genesis, God makes some very big promises to people. In Genesis chapter 3, He promises that one of the descendants of Eve would crush the head of the serpent, foreshadowing what Jesus would do on the cross in the resurrection. Just a couple of chapters later, when the world is destroyed by a flood, God promises that He will not destroy the earth again by a flood. A few chapters later, He talks to this guy named Abram and He promises him that His descendants will be incalculable. They won't be able to count them, they'll be like the stars in the heavens. Right off the bat, God is making these major promises. The truth is, none of that would matter if God didn't have the ability and the desire to keep His promises. Right? Anybody ever made a promise or had somebody make a promise to you that they didn't keep? Anybody? If you didn't, let me know who you are. I'd like to know who your friends are. Right? Right? We all—all all of us in our lives, if we're honest with ourselves. We've said to somebody, "I promise, I will," and we fully intend to. But guess what happens? We don't. We fail. And all of us I know have had friends, family, coworkers, schoolmates, people that have said to us, "I will do this," or "I won't do that." I promise, and they break their promises. Well, here's the great thing about God: Scripture teaches us. Not only is he capable, because he is all-powerful, but he desires to keep his promises. The good news about God is not just that he makes promises. The good news about God is that he keeps the promises that he makes. In other words, whatever he says in his word, whatever he proclaims from his own mouth, he must keep. In fact, to not keep his promises would make him less than God. Right? If he were to ever not keep his promises, Scripture says that it would be like he is lying. In fact, there's a place in Hebrews. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Hebrews. Uh, we're going to look at two passages in Hebrews. One uh, on this idea that God is a promise maker. And then another, we're going to look at a little more in depth about a specific promise for today. But in Hebrews chapter 6, God is, is, is speaking through this writer. And he's going to let them know something about these promises. Now, Let me just give you a little background on the book of Hebrews to catch us up on where we are here. Hebrews was a book written to a group of Jewish believers. They were people that were Jews growing up. They had grown up in the Jewish faith. They had followed Jewish customs. They had followed Jewish law. But at some point, they decided to follow Jesus. And Hebrews is a book written to those group of people who, when persecution came, difficulty came, they began to question their commitment to Jesus. They begin to wonder about their commitment to Jesus. And the book of Hebrews, written by, we don't know, that's not a guy's name, we don't know who wrote it, writes to them and says, what you have in Jesus is much better than anything else. Don't give up on what you have. And in Hebrews chapter 6, in verses 17 and 18, we, we see that he's talking in here about promises and that we've inherited a promise. And that when people make promises, they have to swear by somebody greater than themselves. But God doesn't have to do that. Verse 16. Verse 17 and 18 are going to be on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles I'm look at verse 16 with me. For men swear by something greater than themselves, and for them a confirming oath ends every dispute. Verse 17 Because God wanted to show His unchangeable purpose even more clearly to the heirs of the promised, He guaranteed it with an oath. So that through two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to seize the hope set before us. The idea in this one verse is this, or these two verses, is that God intended... These promises to be something that would embolden us in seeking out to do His will. In that song, Inside Out, from the Inside Out, we say the line, your will, what? Above all else. That's one of those lines we've talked about that's really easy to sing. But it's difficult to live. And what God intends is that these promises that He makes are to be things that would embolden us to go and obtain what He has called us to do for the glory of His name and for the furthering of His kingdom. If you have turned to Hebrews, turn a few chapters over to Hebrews chapter 13. Because here's the promise. Last week we looked at the promise that God's in control of all things. And if you remember, we said if God is in control of all things, then we ought to be able to trust Him. And that was last week's promise. That if God is controlling of all of nature, all of circumstances, all of life, then we ought to be able to put our trust in Him. We ought to be able to everything we do, all our ways Him. Remember we talked about Proverbs chapter 3. Well, today we're going to look at a second promise, and it comes out of a a verse here in Hebrews, but it's not um, just in Hebrews. In fact, it is the most frequent promise in Scripture. And it is a simple promise that sounds very evident at first, but the implications are amazing. And it's this promise, that God is with us. God is with us. The Almighty, Creator of heaven and earth, is continually, constantly with us. Now we're going to talk about in just a moment. That is more than just mere physical presence. And we're going to talk about maybe a better understanding of that. But I want you just to think about this in a moment. That everywhere you are and everywhere you go and every situation you find yourself in, God is with us. Now, when I was growing up and I was in the youth group, there were all kinds of skits and dramas that were designed to make us all scared to death that God was with us all the time, right? Like, you you want to watch out what you're doing because God is with you. I, I remember when I, when I was growing up, youth, we were really big into drama in Dyersburg. We didn't have a whole lot to do in Dyersburg, and so... We did a lot of drama. And there was one that we did. And some of you may remember this. Some of you may have never seen it before. Either way, just pretend like you have, all right? Um, and it was a, a skit where, where Jesus was walking out the door with people and they were going with friends. And the friends go, I don't want you to go with me. And they go back and they, they put him back in the corner. And then they walk back and they start to walk out the door. And Jesus tries to walk with and They go back and they put him back in the corner. And they, you do that about four or five times. And finally they went back and they would act like they were nailing him to the cross. Like, I don't want you with me, Jesus. Trying to make you feel guilty about are you are you aware of God's presence at all times? Well, the Bible never uses it. Well, there are times when it says that the God is searching the earth and looking, and that things aren't going to go if if you're if you're living your life contrary to His will, He's going to know it. But most of the time, when it says God is with us, it's a very positive promise. It's not a you better watch your act because God is with you. It is be encouraged and strengthened. Because God is with you. And there's a difference. There's a difference in feeling like you've got to be scared all the time. It's like like when a cop gets behind you on the road. Alright? And you're not doing anything wrong. I'm not talking about people that are going 45 and a 30 or 58 and a 40. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you are driving and you're following the rules of the law. You're doing everything right. But a cop gets behind you. What's the first thing you do? Seatbelt on, two hands on the wheel, sit up, phone, pocket, side, right? And you are tense the entire time until he turns off. In fact, and I'm going to confess a little bit, so maybe, even when I'm doing everything perfectly right, sometimes I think, I just want to see if he's following me. Do I need to turn and go this direction? <laughs> Anybody else want to confess that? All right, thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. It me feel good. It, That's not what is intended by God is with us. That we've got to drive like there's a cop behind us the whole time. The idea is that it ought to be encouraging to us. Look at Hebrews chapter 13. We're going to look at just a part. Hebrews chapter 13. It's, I love, I love the end of this book because it's kind of like the writer of Hebrews lays out these great theological arguments, these great things, these interesting... I mean, if we were to walk through the book of Hebrews, there would be times when we would be able to dive deep into some, some thinking and theology. But you get to chapter 13 and it's like, oh, and there's about 50 things I need to tell you and it's time to finish. Right? It's like the preacher that has a five-point sermon and spends 45 minutes on point one and then does five minutes on the last four. I don't know anybody like that, but I just, I've heard of them before. And so he starts saying, hey, hey, don't forget, let brotherly love continue. Don't don't neglect to show hospitality. Remember the prisoners, all this stuff. Marriage must be respected. I mean, stuff that doesn't necessarily go together. And then in verse 5, he talks about money. Don't don't worry about money. But then he says this, and this is the second part of verse 5. Be satisfied with what you have, for he himself has said, I will never leave you. Or forsake you. Therefore, we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? You see, throughout the Scripture... Whenever it talks about the presence of God in our lives, it is there to remind us of how good it is to have God on our side. Now, you say, well, of course God is with us. I mean, he's omnipresent. He's everywhere. Otherwise, he wouldn't be God. There are no limitations on God. So God's with everybody. But that's not what this verse is talking about. It's not talking about here that God is physically around us because He's not. Or that in a spiritual sense, He's around us because He is. What it's saying here is a different word. It's a word that means that He is not only there beside us, but that He is working on our behalf. He is with us. It's like when we're getting ready to go into a discussion or we're getting ready to go into a conflict or a dialogue and we look at somebody and say, are you with me? What that means is more than just, are you going to walk in there beside me? It means, are you on my side? Are you going to fight for me? Are you going to be the one that speaks up when it seems like everything is lost? Are you with me? You see, the Bible tells us that God is not with everyone in that way. In fact, Psalm 138 tells us God is not with the proud. It says, the Lord regards the lowly, but the haughty he knows from afar. James 4 tells us that God is not with the worldly. Do you know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Therefore, whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. It tells us that God is not with the rebellious. In Isaiah chapter 1, it says, Why will you continue to rebel when you spread out your hands? I will hide my eyes. The scripture tells us that God is not with those who harbor sin. Now, none of us are perfect, but it says in scripture that those of us that continually live in a life of sin, Psalm 66:18 says, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. When it says that God is with us here, He's talking about His family that are devoted to Him, that are living for Him. And the promise is, God is for us. One of the songs that they sang this week, and one of the things that happens around my house, is I have three who are very enthusiastic about Vacation Bible School, besides Susan and I. And so not only do I get to hear the songs multiple times a day here at church, when we get home, I get to hear the songs multiple times at home all right and luke this year really wanted to you know luke was in the preschool department but he he really wanted to learn the songs eli was learning too and so eli would help him and they went through it and there was a song they sang on tuesday this week that just took the scripture verse that said if god is for us who can be against us and luke started going around the house singing that one day when eli was somewhere else and i noticed luke didn't have the words exactly right Luke kept singing as loudly as he could, which if you know Luke, that's loudly. If God is for us, you can't be against me. That's a subtle change, right? Who can be against me? But I, I don't know if he sang that as a little brother to his big brother. I don't know what that was. But the point is, if God is for us, nothing in this world can do anything to us. That's what it says in Hebrews, right? Right? It says in Hebrews, that chapter 13 that we just looked at, it says, I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? What can man do to me if the Lord is my helper? Now, here's where that becomes very important. It becomes very important whenever difficulty is happening in your life. Whenever uncertainty is happening in your life, whenever problems are happening in your life, you know that you can trust the Lord. Just as it says God is far away from the haughty, the proud, and those that are harboring sin, than those that are rebellious, Scripture also says that those that are brokenhearted, those that have things that are happening in their lives, that God will draw even closer to them. And what Scripture teaches is this, that if we, We'll seek out the Lord. We can be assured that we will become more and more aware of His presence in our lives. And if God is with us, we do not have to be afraid. In fact, if God is with us, we don't have anything to fear. So here's my question to you this morning. What are you afraid of? Now, most of us, if we're honest, we're, we're not afraid of the past. We may regret things in the past. We may be disappointed about the past. We may not like our past, but we're not afraid of the past. Many of us aren't really afraid of the present. I mean, this very moment, you're not really afraid right now. Most of us, if we're honest, we're afraid or fearful of the future. We're afraid about relationships. Is this relationship going to last? Is this marriage going to last? Will he always love me? Will she always want to be my wife? Will this friendship that I have last or is it going to have problems? Will my children be children that will follow the Lord or will they be people that take their own path? We fear about our financial security in the future. Man, I'm barely making payments now. I'm barely making the bills. I'm barely making ends meet. How am I, what's going to happen? Am I going to lose this? Am I going to lose that? Is it going to work? We're fearful of business ventures and professionalism and schoolwork and college and graduate school and job force health issues children and grandchildren and the question i have for you is what are you afraid of because if god is with us and scripture says he is It says He's a promise maker and a promise keeper. And that one of the promises He's made is that He will never leave nor forsake us. If God is with us, you don't have to be afraid. Now, that doesn't mean that God isn't going to lead you into some scary, difficult situations. In fact, following God will guarantee that you end up in some scary, difficult situations. But throughout Scripture, He reminds people, Joshua, before he goes into the promised land, I'm with you. David writing Psalm 23, When I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Why? Because God is with me. He tells people on the front end of those moments when courage is needed, I'm with you. Even as he stands, as Jesus stands with the disciples, as he's getting ready to return to the Father, he says what? I've got a mission for you. Going to all the world, preaching the gospel, telling them about me. Baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, making disciples. And lo, I am with you, even until the end of the age. So here's the question What are you afraid of? And are you willing this week to turn that over to the Lord? Last week we talked about a kind of a conclusion of Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And I wanted you to claim that promise in your life. But I want you to, this is. One out of Deuteronomy that I want you to claim. It's Deuteronomy 31.6. And this is when they were getting ready to go into the promised land and talking about that. These are the words from the Lord to the Israelites. And these are the words of the Lord to you. With whatever's coming in your life. Whatever you're scared of. Whatever you're afraid of. Whatever in that future you're worried about. It says be strong and courageous. Don't be terrified or afraid of them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to write down that reference somewhere. You don't have to write down the whole verse. If you've got your Bibles at home, you can look it up. But I want you to write down that reference. Deuteronomy 31.6. And this week, every day, I want you to read that and think about it and think of specific situations in your life that you're afraid of and that you can claim the presence of God and the fact that He is for you as you go forward. The Lord your God goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. The title of this series is This I Know. And there is nothing more comforting in this world than knowing the truth that God is with us.